morning, we're going to be heading on uh, into our series uh, in the book of John. And if you have something to share later, uh, we're going to have that time at the end of the message as well to open up for that. Uh, But we're going to go into our series in the book of John called The Word. Uh, It's taking a look at the life of Jesus and what that means for us today. Uh, We've been in it uh, three weeks already, kind of looking at the deity of Jesus, uh, that he was coming to baptize in the Holy Spirit, uh, essentially transforming the way that we connect with God uh, and that we're able to worship him. Uh, And then last week, we were taking a look at how he called uh, his followers, his disciples, and how he's called us. And he fully knows us. Uh, knows our junk and still chooses to call us, to love us, uh, and to engage in relationship with us. Uh, Today we're going to be in John chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. Uh, So if you want to turn your Bibles there, we're going to start with that. Uh, But before we read, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we come before you today. Uh, We thank you for your work within our church. Uh, We thank you as you grow us together to be the body of Christ. Uh, And we pray that you uh, continue that work, uh, that calling. Grant us boldness uh, to be that body, to be that light wherever we may go. Uh, And we pray that as we look at your holy word today, that you would uh, equip us. Uh, that you would make it alive to us, Father. Uh, The areas that we need to be challenged in, that it would challenge us and we would not walk away unchanged, uh, but that we would allow the work of the Holy Spirit within us uh, to grow more like Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 2, verse 13, uh, it says that this Jewish Passover was near. Uh, And so this would have been that celebration or uh, remembrance of how they were brought out of the nation uh, of Egypt when they were slaves uh, and how the Jewish households were passed over by that angel. Uh, And so it's that annual celebration of this. Uh, And so Jesus uh, went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves, and he also found the money changers sitting there. Now, this would have been uh, quite a sight. Uh, I think. Like if you have ever imagined the temple or seen different drawings or, or depictions of the temple or just reading what it's supposed to be within Scripture, like, like you have this uh, idea of grandeur, uh, this idea of beauty, of reverence. Um, like I almost uh, am picturing like if you've been to the Capitol in Madison. Completely different purpose, right? Like we're talking about a house of worship uh, and, and the, the glory to God and the way that it's built. But when you walk into the capital in Madison, which is close to us, uh, you got that sense of, you know, the marble and the colonnades and, you know, the big high ceiling and, and everything is kind of like these hushed tones as you're kind of walking through. It's for a different purpose, but imagine walking into that kind of a building and, and then there's a bunch of sheep and cows and like cattle inside. Like, like we're in Wisconsin, so it's not normal to walk in. It's, it's not unusual to walk into a building, uh, but it's a barn, right? Versus something that was built for a different purpose. And so here Jesus is walking into the temple, finding people selling oxen, sheep, and doves, uh, and then those who are exchanging money. Now, the selling of these animals uh, would have been done uh, in order to help facilitate the sacrifices that would be taking place uh, at the temple. Uh, this is something that was especially used by people that would have to travel uh, a long distance. Uh, and so if they're coming to the temple and they want to offer a sacrifice, um, are they going to uh, bring their two birds in a cage for 
you know, 100 miles as they're walking or, or bringing their goat with them. Uh, and this market was supposed to be something that was set up and to help facilitate those that had to travel a long distance. Uh, when you think of it for this particular purpose, uh, it's possible that Mary and Joseph might have used the market uh, in order to have that sacrifice when she sacrificed the two birds uh, after Jesus' birth. The same thing for the foreign exchange uh, currency. It was this sense of people are traveling from all over uh, the Roman-held areas, and there would be a number of different currencies. Uh, and so for them to be able to come and to pay uh, a temple tax or to pay something else or to buy uh, one of these sacrifices that exchange would have had to happen. Now this used to be set up across historically uh, across the Kidron Valley. Uh, and so it was not normally in the temple. It didn't used to be, but it was set up a distance away so that as travelers would come down to Jerusalem, they'd be able to kind of stop there, do what they need to do before they head into the temple. But uh, over time, through pragmatic ways um, and people just deciding to earn more money, um, they started bringing things into the temple uh, in order to sell these animals, to uh, exchange the money. And you could almost uh, imagine uh, the atmosphere that that would cause. You know, walk in and you've got somebody over here. I've got two doves for $10. No, I've got two doves for $5. And you've got the different merchants trying to sell their wares and to show which one has the better deal and who has the best uh, percentage exchange on the currency and, and all of these different things. Now, most likely, this was happening in the outer courtyard of the temple, uh, which was the place where the Gentiles would be able uh, to worship. We kind of get a sense of these two different places. Um, even archaeology-wise, you can see the remnants of, of a wall that used to be there. Uh, it was about chest high. And Ephesians referenced this when it talks about the dividing wall uh, of hostility. Uh, if you look in the NIV Archaeological Study Bible, uh, they have a picture of one of these things. And, and there's a plaque there that says uh, whoever passes this wall uh, if you're not of Jewish descent your blood is on your own head uh, and so is that sense of if you're not Jewish and you would go into that in your courtyard um, it was possibly an offense of death and that's how hostile uh, it was and so Ephesians 2 uh, Paul is talking about how Jesus tore down that dividing wall of hostility to make Jews and Gentiles uh, one new man out of the two in Christ uh, but it was on that outside of that inner wall that most likely is where this marketplace would have been taking place. It's also the spot where it was set aside for Gentiles to come uh, and to worship God. And instead of them being able to, to come and worship, to have a place to reflect and pray, uh, you'd have to wander around different stalls. Like imagine coming and traveling someplace. Like I'm coming here to worship. We, we come into church and we've got the music going in order to worship God. And, and you kind of have to skirt around the stall that has different animals in it. Uh, and there's a guy with a shovel, you know, kind of cleaning up the byproducts of the different animals in the temple. You want to pray and seek God. But there's that smell that's taking place the clinking of coins, and such. It would have been a distraction in this, uh, and certainly it would be completely against God's designs, uh, which he gave to the prophets. Uh, we see this in Isaiah chapter 56, uh, verses 6 through 7. 
It says, as for the foreigners who join themselves uh, to the Lord, or as to the Gentiles who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to become his servants, who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and hold firmly to my covenant, I will bring them to my holy mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. The burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. This was the prophecy that the Holy Spirit inspired Isaiah to write down. This was God's intention for the temple and for worship of him. That there wouldn't be any separation uh, based on uh, background or ethnicity or what country you came from. But that all could come together to worship the Lord together. That was his purpose. And now here we have the the Israelites who have decided, for the sake of pragmatism, let's set up this market where the Gentiles are supposed to worship. We're going to keep our spot nice and clean. We're not going to worry about it. It's too holy. We don't want those animals to come in here uh, unless it's going to be the sacrifice. But as far as the Gentiles are concerned, eh, they can deal with the sheep. They can deal with the goats. And I think this was the greatest issue with this, uh, with this story, with this narrative here in Jesus' coming. Uh, certainly it's an offense to have a market set up in the place of worship, but even more so than that, they're going against God's commands in order to have this be a place of worship for all nations. And they're actually forming a hindrance and a blocking to the worship of the Gentiles uh, to be able to worship God. We see Jesus' response here uh, in verse 15. Uh, After making a whip out of cords. Have you ever just paused there? Like, we know this story, right? Like, here's Jesus. He's got the whip. He's going to flip some tables. But but just imagine in your mind, like, like they're walking into the temple, and you've got the the bleeding uh, of the goats and the oxen, and you've got the birds and the money changers clinking, and, and here's Jesus, and he's, like, looking at all of it. And he just calmly takes a moment. He's like, here, give me some cords. And he just takes a moment and, like, actually forms a whip. I just imagine being one of the disciples in that moment. Like, okay, here's some cords. What are you, what are you doing, Jesus? Um, that looks like a whip. So he actually takes a moment to, to put a whip of cords together, then begins to drive everyone out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, poured out the money changers' coins, and overturned the tables. How does this sound for a tolerant Jesus? He's not tolerating this at all. He goes on and telling those who are selling doves, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And his disciples remember that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. 
Now, when you look at all four Gospels together, uh, it seems that there's two different occasions that Jesus actually goes in and cleanses out the table. Uh, John here has the first occasion, uh, and after this, they're not threatening his life. But when you look at the other ones, Jesus goes in and cleanses out the temple. The, the Pharisees are already starting to look at taking Jesus' life, and so they continue that discussion. But, but even here in this moment, there's almost this sense of people respecting what he's doing. Doing. This idea of like, no, this probably wasn't right. Uh, and so he tears through this uh, out of a zeal for worship. Out of a zeal not to have distractions to worship. Not to have these other things taking place, but, but to be able to be there and for the Gentiles to be able to wholeheartedly seek the Lord to pray, to offer sacrifice. And to know him more. Jesus, because of the zeal and the joy set before him, eventually would die on the cross in order to provide even a greater access to relationship with God. And the zeal at that time was just a precursor of his passion to get rid of things that distract from worship. Now for those of us who are adopted into the kingdom of God, uh, the most precious thing to us is the relationship with Jesus. Without that, we have nothing. But because of the blood of Christ, we're adopted into the kingdom of God. We, we have a hope for eternal life. Uh, our sins are cleansed through his sacrifice. And through his resurrection, we have a newness of life given to us through the Holy Spirit. It's in this relationship with Jesus that we're able to commune with him through worship and through prayer. Jesus taught that we can go to God and call him Abba, that we can call him Daddy. That we have an intimate relationship with God. And yet, do we live that way? Do we take this immense blessing that Jesus died for us to be able to have, to, to have an unprecedented ability to, to commune with God, to worship Him? Or do we segment it into different aspects of our life? Here, uh, the Jews were, were guilty of having this place of worship. They put up a dividing wall of hostility in the middle of it. They said this inner part, like that's for us. That's for us to be able to focus on God and in order to worship. But we're going to consider this outer courtyard, this outer ring to be less important. And, and we're going to allow some distractions there. Because this is where we worship. And, and this is kind of the okay place for distractions. And I wonder how often we do the same thing within our lives and we put up dividing walls. We have this place within us, like, this is how I worship. This is the kind of music, hymns, more contemporary, whatever it might be. This is what I worship to and the rest of it, eh, not so much. Or we set up an area of, okay, Sunday mornings uh, is my time of worship and I'll have my 10-minute uh, devotions uh, every day and that's my place of worship. But then over here in this other section, like this is where I'm going to allow for distractions to come in. This is where my entertainment is. This is what I choose to watch on television or read or listen to. Uh, this is where my hobbies ha have their place. And, and yeah, I could worship a little bit in those, but... It's distracting, like the, the bleeding uh, of sheep and goats. 
We have sections that uh, are for our worries and our cares. It's almost like we shift into a different mode. Like, like here's worshiping God, uh, and then here's my money situation with my budget. Uh, I'm worshiping God over here, but now I'm kind of entering into this financial-minded aspect, and we get worried or concerned or have anxiety or fear over some of this stuff. What's going to happen with it? could be our career. could be any number of things. But it's, but it's almost like we have a dividing wall where it's like, I'm in worship mode, and now I'm kind of in dealing with some earth stuff mode. And the truth is, is that Jesus died for that not to be the case. He died so that our whole life would be unto him. That as we deal with finances, yep, there might be some areas of concern, but, but if Philippians tells us, do not be anxious over anything, but through everything, through prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will be yours in Jesus Christ. Whatever is good, whatever is righteous, whatever is holy, whatever is pure, think and dwell on these things. And so we can submit that to God in prayer. And we can trust Him in that. We can bring our worship into the areas of our concern. And that's how it's transformed. Not by separating it, but by bringing it together and allowing for God to work in all areas of our life. In Deuteronomy 6, uh, in verse 4-6, through 6, is a section in the Old Testament that's called the Shema. Uh, and this is something that all Israelites would know. And this is what Jesus was quoting when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Verses 4 through 6, it says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. And so the desire of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower us is to live an undivided life with Jesus, abiding in Him in everything that we face and not segmenting them, not separating them, and not allowing the space in our life that allows for distractions or these little pet sins that we really don't want to deal with to dwell. And say, well, I'm going to come over here and now I can worship but then we kind of allow that distractions at other times in our life just to stay there instead of allowing our whole life to be worship unto Him. Colossians 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive a reward for, of inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord. Whatever you do. And so in our life, we can take down that separation and say some of our hobby over here might be going fishing. You can go fishing for the Lord. And you can go out there and enjoy the beauty of His creation. And it can be your devotional. And you can pray and you can thank Him and you can worship and you can listen as He speaks to your heart. And you can do it unto him, and he will use it in your life. Uh, but if you go fishing and you put that separation there, and you're like, this is my time to check out, well, it's not beneficial then, eternally. Like, like you might enjoy it in the moment, but if you separate God out of that, uh, it's a place where your mind can wander, it's a place where temptations can come. But if we're in, uh, 
abiding in Christ at all times. It's that protection. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. I even think about the, the, the run club that we're doing right now. And, um, and just our, our heart and our desire in that is, is not just to be more healthy, but to be able to do this almost as a physical representation uh, of a passage um, actually that we're going to read next in Hebrews 12. Since we have a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. And so just a physical representation of this passage. Like, let's get rid of the things that slow us down and let's try to find endurance as we chase after Jesus. Uh, Angie and I were just watching a, a movie last week um, was it Chariots of Fire? That's a weird movie uh, produced in Britain. Um, it was kind of odd. The w- in the 80s, yeah. So an English movie in the 80s, um, their artistic points were kind of odd. But it was such a great story um, of this Scottish runner. I can't remember his name. Anybody know his name offhand? What was it? Eric Little, thank you. Uh, who was a missionary. Uh, to China, had come back, uh, had this gift in running, um, and he wanted to run. And then he had a sister that was kind of like, you know what, this isn't necessarily glorifying God. He's like, but God gave me this desire to run, and and I want to do it for his glory. and so for a season in his life, he was going through these races, heading to the Olympics, uh, but it was giving him all of these opportunities to actually share the gospel. Because his focus wasn't just on fame. It, in fact, it was more of God wants me to run, so I'm going to run. And in that, he's going to use it. Uh, and in the movie, there's these depictions of 100 plus people coming to listen, to watch him run, but then listen to him to speak and, and to share the gospel in that opportunity. We can do all things for the Lord. Now, he goes on to live a life. I, I really want to read this biography after watching some of this movie. goes back to China. Uh, World War II uh, happens. He gets put into an internment camp and actually dies uh, there as a missionary for China. So that aspect of doing all things for the Lord. First Peter chapter 2 uh, puts it this way. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers in exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war with the soul. That's talking about all of us. That since we're adopted into the kingdom of God, we're his sons or daughters, and now the time that we live here on earth, waiting for Jesus to come back, uh, we're strangers uh, and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires. Uh, Verse 12, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you, as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day that he visits. Uh, so again, this aspect of our whole life being set aside uh, in order to be able uh, to worship. And so I guess the question that I have for all of us today then is, uh, what are the different areas of our lives where we've let practicality or pragmatism uh, begin to creep in uh, and block areas of worship within our life? Maybe it's the realm of finances or the realm of relationships, our jobs, different scenes within our life, or even our emotions. Maybe we allow our emotions to guide us more than the truth of Christ. And so we allow that to creep in into segments. Not our whole life, because this is where I worship, 
But there's areas that we allow this uh, to creep in and actually distract or block our worship uh, the way that the market would have done for the Gentiles back in the temple. Where we allowed for the mess of our life uh, and its byproducts uh, to kind of mess the area of worship within us unto the Lord. Uh, it's just something I feel like we need to kind of examine um, and repent of if we need to repent of that. Again, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. But uh, it's spring. Uh, yesterday, uh, Angie and I ended up spending hours outside that we didn't necessarily plan for. Uh, we just kind of walked outside. Oh, it's nice. Oh, I could do that, and I could do that, and it turned into a spring cleaning day. Uh, I think sometimes we need to do that spiritually. Let's just take a moment. Let's pause. Let's examine our life. Where have we allowed distractions to come in? Where are things blocking our whole unified body, mind, soul, love for Christ, being segmented? And if you find something within you, it's just a simple matter. God, would you forgive me? Would you teach me how to worship you in, in the hobbies that you've given me to love? Would you convict me of the things that I'm allowing to encroach and to have a passion and a zeal to cast them out because they don't belong if they're hindering my worship? Um, Father, we just ask that you would help us to do that. Uh, Lord, the, there's our wisdom, there's our minds, there's the things that we would like to hold on to, we'd like to keep, our preferences, our desires. We submit all those things to you as our Lord and our Savior. Pray that you would speak to us clearly, that you would reveal those different areas to us, that you would help us to set them aside uh, if we need to, uh, or to bring them into our worship unto you. We need your Holy Spirit to lead us through this, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so we just want to take some time uh, this morning, uh, again, uh, as we have been sharing this and kind of the, the aspect of blocked worship, um, the story with Jesus flipping the tables, the zeal that he had. Uh, is there anybody here that's had something you feel like the Holy Spirit's spoken to you or you've been convicted on, you want to share that? Um, you don't have to confess that. It's something else the Lord's speaking to you. Uh, we'll just take a moment and, and see if he's responding in anything.